Amen, amen. Oh, y'all are fired up and ready. I can tell. It's going to be a good day. Welcome to Holy Week. Holy Week. It starts today. It is Palm Sunday, and we are about to embark upon the week in human history that radically and revolutionary, revolutionarily changed absolutely everything in the course of the entire human history. It is a grand narrative. And I just want to encourage you to be involved in all of it this week. Just lean in to see what God would do in your heart and in your life this week. I want to welcome all the campuses. I want to welcome the Kenya campuses. We have two over there. One's up and going. One is uh, getting their staff ready to launch. Columbia campus, Sanford campus, Hillsborough campus, North Raleigh campus, Garner campus. And by the way, I want to just praise God for many of the campuses yesterday doing some fabulous outreach uh, ministries in their community. Way to go, campus pastors. Way to go, campus staff. Way to go, leaders. Want to welcome you here to the Durham campus and the Coffee House campus. If you ever come into one of the worship celebrations at Durham and you feel like it's too big or the music is too loud for you, you can, ch- you can move where you sit because it's different in different places in the building, but you can also go upstairs to our Coffee House community. So I want to welcome the Coffee House community and the internet community. Come on, would you just welcome all of them? Welcome, welcome, welcome. I know you've already heard this a little bit, but just ever so quickly, Friday night is what? Good Friday. By far, one of the most gripping, powerful, moving, and and personally speaking, one of my favorite worship services of the year. Friday night, 7 p.m., all of the campuses. We have a sunrise service a week from today. It's Easter, and we have a sunrise service at 645 at all of our campuses. And somebody asked me the other day, Pastor, is that service outside? Bless your heart. <laughs> yeah, it's outside so that we can see the sun rise. Just, hey, hey, just, it's all good. Um, and then some of you have been asking, well, if I, if I come to the sunrise service, can I or should I come to another service at any of our campuses? And the answer is absolutely yes. If you just really want to do that, there's nothing wrong with that. They're two entirely different services. The one outside is, is scaled back, traditional, kind of acoustic, holy communion outside at the sunrise services at all the campuses. But the later services are very different, and I would, in fact, encourage you to uh, be a part of that. Last thing, then we're going to jump right in. The following Sunday, April 23rd, we are having baptism celebrations party on the patio. And so if you have not been baptized, I want to just encourage you right now to mark your calendar for April 23rd and get dunked in the name of Jesus as a public profession of your faith. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we need you today. We need you every day. And um, this world is in desperate need of you. So, Father, I thank you. I I make this prayer from a grateful heart that we get to sit here today and do this in freedom. We get to worship you as the world becomes more and more 
broken, crazy, desperate need of you. God, would you give us a, an awe, a sense of awe that, that we get to do this and we get to be a part of ministering your light and your healing and your wholeness throughout the world. So Father, would you use us? Father, as we approach a very challenging and um, intellectual topic for us today, would you speak to us? Would you give us your divine wisdom from on high as we understand the broken world in which we live and how you minister to us in the midst of it? Take our minds, think through them, take our hearts and fill with them. Lord Jesus, take my lips and speak through them today. For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. Get me out of the way, Lord. Speak to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to teach you today from one verse. One verse of scripture is the, the verse that we're going to look at. I don't know that I've ever taught an entire message on one verse today, but that is what I feel led to do. And Susan Story, who is a saint at the Garner campus, sent a gift to me this week. And uh, it is the verse that I'm teaching on today. It is Romans 8:28. Can y'all see that? Romans 8, 28, Susan's story at the Garner campus. Thank you. We love you and we are so grateful for you. Amy Lynn sends her love as well. Romans 8, 28, out loud. Here we go. And we know that in all things, God works for the, for the what? Of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. One verse will radically change your mindset and the way in which you interact with this broken world that we live in. I like how the King James Version puts a little piece of this verse. Some of you come out of real traditional churches and you like the old King Jimmy Version, right? Here's how King Jimmy puts it. All things work together for good. So for the rest of the day, when I say all things at all the campuses, I want you to say, work together for good. Can you handle that? Yes. All things. One more time. All things. That will radically change your life. It's hard to understand at times, but I am telling you, if you understand that one principle, it'll radically change the way in which we interact with this hopelessly broken world that we live in. Not to start us out on a downer, but hey, we gotta do life together. We gotta do life. We gotta be real. And I'm sure you picked up on the fact that Assad of Syria gassed his people again, killing Lots of people, but innocent children. Hopelessly broken world. All things. <laughs> Did you notice how harder it was to say that after I shared the gassing story? Maybe you don't know this, but this morning, today, on this sacred Christian day called Palm Sunday, ISIS is taking credit for it. Who knows if they did it? They take credit for any atrocity in the world. ISIS is taking credit for the fact that bombs are blowing up this morning. Probably as I preach today, there will be another bomb because we're already on two churches, I think, blowing up in Coptic Christian churches in Egypt, killing 
Dozens of people the last I heard. Don't know if you're familiar with the Coptic tradition. It's the largest Christian group of people, one of the largest Christian groups of people in Egypt and West Africa and the Mediterranean world. It is the tradition that was founded by St. Mark. And they're worshiping God today, trying to, and bombs are blowing up in their churches, our brothers and sisters. But the Bible says, all things, what? And you might say, well, I don't understand how, how, tell me. Sometimes I don't know how, and I'm not gonna act like I do. But I do know that Romans 8, 28 will radically change your life. And many of you have understood personally what it means to know a God who works together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The year was 1936. A Harvard professor by the name of Robert Merton brought forth his groundbreaking work, a paper titled, The Unanticipated Consequences of Purposive Social Action. He was one of the founding fathers of modern day sociology. His most enduring contribution was spelled out in this groundbreaking work, again, the unintended consequences. Simply put, he said, the outcome of our actions has one of three results, if you will, three realms in which we see actions of humanity spelled out before us. On the positive side of the ledger, Robert Merton informed us that there are these things called unexpected benefits. On the negative side of the ledger, he spelled out what we might call unexpected drawbacks. And then in the third realm, he spelled out perverse results. Many of you know what perverse results is. It's when you do something thinking something's gonna happen good and it ends up biting you on the backside. Three realms of consequences. The way you're looking at me, maybe I need to give you an example. Parents. Parents in the 21st century are a trip. Parents in the 21st century obsess over making sure their little children don't consume any dirt. I mean, they freak out if Johnny goes outside and plays in the dirt. They'd rather him usually sit in front of a TV or on a phone playing games. If he gets a little dirt on his hands, the helicopter parent swoons in, takes him to the sink, scrubs his hands really good. And then after she's washing them or he's washing them, then they put on some antibacterial gel. They are obsessed with making sure our children don't consume any dirt. But did you know, according to the hygiene hypothesis, bacteria actually helps spur on the development of a healthy immune system. Doctors are saying, amen. And did you know that worms... Literally, worms. Did you know, believe it or not, they auto-correct the immune system, helping it fight a wide variety of autoimmune disorders. So listen to me, parents. 
by protecting your little child from any form of dirt or germs, I hate to break it to you, loving parents are actually disabling a child's ability to fight diseases later in life. Aren't you feeling good about yourself? <laughs> Moms, dads, just, just think about it. Now, I'm certainly not suggesting that you add dirt to your child's diet. And I'm not suggesting that you put some worms in your mashed potatoes and tell your kids, oh, it's just some pieces of the potato skin. But perhaps we should re-employ the five-second rule. Come on. Come on. Hey, we, we, we were a little guilty of this. I'm mean, not much of some of you. I mean, I, I grew up eating dirt. I mean, it, eat dirt, man. It's, I, I grew up saying this, God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. Get you some of that. But when Anna Grace was born, I mean, she'd drop her little pacifier or whatever. You know, we'd run over there, we'd wash it off, give it back to her. <laughs> By the time Joshua rolled around, <laughs> he dropped that pacifier. I'm like, bro, pick that up. <laughs> Throw that in your mouth. He, I say, what flavor is that dirt? You know what I mean? But stick with me. While Robert Merton popularized the idea of unintended consequences, he wasn't the first, and neither was Romans 8.28. In fact, you can trace the genealogy of unintended consequences all the way back to the first book in the Bible. Some of you will recall this from our story series in 2016. You can go all the way back to a philosopher, if you will, by the name of Joseph. Y'all remember when I preached on Joseph? I had that on fleet color of many colors up here. Remember that coat? Come on, baby. And Joseph would say after his brother sold him into slavery, the intended purpose was to hurt him, was to take him out. And Joseph would go. But 17 years later, God would take their action of throwing their brother into a pit to die, if you will. God would take that action to save many, many people, including the very brothers that sold him into slavery. And we stumble upon this verse in Genesis 50, 20, out loud, all of our campuses, go, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many. Do you see it? Do you see it today? There are actions that, come on, come on, come on, we bring upon ourselves. And there are actions that other people bring upon us. There are natural disasters and realities that we incur on a daily basis, things that the enemy would want to use to hurt us and to harm us, but there is this principle, I like to put it like this, but God, but God. Everybody say, but God. That's a big but. But God. 
There is this principle, this law of God that is at work in the world. It governs God's people that lets us know that whatever may come our way, for those who love him, did you catch that in Romans 8, 28? For those who what? Love him. For those who are called according to his purpose, the Bible's saying God's got your back. God has your back. All things? There you go, church. Let me put the entire verse up again. We're just gonna unpack this verse, one verse today. And we know that in in all things. We know, listen to the certainty of Paul. This is a man who was shipwrecked. This was a man who was put in prison multiple times. We know that in all things, all things, that means God is sovereign, which means God is the supreme ultimate authority in this world. All things God can move and work and have his way. And when God has his way, it is good. God is sovereign. Come on, church. God is omnipresent, which means God is everywhere, everywhere. So it doesn't matter where you are. When someone does you wrong, someone gossips behind your back, or someone is mean to you, God is everywhere, and he will take care of his children. God is omniscient. God is omniscient, which means that that God is all-knowing. He He knows all things. He sees things before they happen to you. He sees the good results that he wants to bring out of those things. All things means that God is in all, over all, through all. And despite what might might come our way, God will have the backs of those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. And we know that in all things, God works for the God works for the good of those who love him. Notice that it is God who is working, who is redeeming, who is saving, who is bringing good out of bad situations. Not a mere mortal. It is God who brings about the good. And notice this. This is something that we don't talk much about. But notice that it is reserved for those who love him. Now, God loves all people, amen? But you might, you might consider this a divine benefit from loving God. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Listen to me, that means that when someone is trying to hurt you, when someone is trying to jack your life up, when someone is trying to destroy you, when some ex-spouse is mean to you, when whatever may come your way, you can live with a twinkle in your eye and a smile on your face because God has your back. And if you love God, he's going to bring about good in your life. Look at this, look at this. 
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according, what? Called according to his purpose. Notice that the word purpose is singular. Make no mistake about it. God employs a plethora of expressions to accomplish his purpose in the world. But God has one purpose. God has one purpose in the world. It is to introduce as many people as he possibly can to his son, Jesus Christ. Come on. It is to teach God's people his ways. And it is to send out, release, if you will, more people to, who will do what? Introduce more people to his son, Jesus Christ. It might look differently in different traditions, Coptic Christians, American Christians, it does, Catholic, Baptist, Presbyterian, it doesn't matter. If you are in Christ, take my hand and let's move forth in the world in the purposes of God. One purpose. Encapsulated, if you will, in Jesus' last words on planet Earth. The Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go into all the world and make what? That's, that's reach. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's reach. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That's teach. And remember, I am with you always as you go, if you will. That's release. There's one purpose, one purpose, and it is all about Jesus and God's word and then using God's people to go back out in the world and reach more people for Jesus. That is the vision of this church. That is what we do. That is why we do it. One purpose. So it begs the question for me to ask on this Sunday prior to Easter, are you engaged in that purpose? We laid out some big goals a few weeks ago. Remember them? I'm going to show them to you one more time. This is to rally the team. This is a time for us to have a little family huddle. Easter 2017. We are praying that we will see somewhere around 8,558 people darken the doors of a New Hope campus. Can I get an amen? Check it out. We, we are praying that we'll see 309 first-time guests. We'll never see 309 first-time guests if you don't take a coaster or a yard sign and some cards and invite your friends to Holy Week at New Hope. And here's why we want them here. We're praying for 204 salvations. We're praying that God will use us together. We're in this together, you and me. We're praying that God will use us to save 204 people. Come on. If you believe it and you want to see it happen, let me hear you. Come on. But here's the key point. Romans 8, 28 teaches us this today. When a man or a woman, a child or a student is engaged in a loving relationship with God and is engaged in a loving relationship with God's people, and they live on point. They live on point with the purpose of God. Romans 8, 28, the great eight is teaching us that God will have your back. God will watch over you. 
God will protect you. Does that mean that you have an immunity card? Absolutely not. Jesus would say on the Sermon on the Mount that it rains on the just and the unjust. But it does mean that when you find yourself in that storm, if you love God and you're called and engaged according to his purpose, God will have your back and redeem and bring good out of that situation. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose, it doesn't matter what might come your way. There is always, did you hear me? Always a silver lining for those who are in Christ. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose, it doesn't matter what natural disasters might come your way. Come on. Albeit a flood, a hurricane, a tornado, those are the ones that I always I have a hard time wrapping my mind around. But here's what I have seen in real time, that God has a way of bringing beauty out of ashes. God has a way of redeeming and making ruins glorious as we like to sing about. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose, it doesn't matter what kind of sickness or disease might come your way. Even with the wonderful nurses and doctors, God is the great physician and God can bring about healing on earth or in heaven. He is just that good. And by the way, this is why we say this. This will bring new meaning to this thing we say a lot around here. In fact, I got a bracelet on. Hopefully you got one on. And uh, I think we got them at most of our campuses. They're around in different places. And if not, you tell your campus pastor you need one. It says, chapter three, New Hope Church. The best is yet to come. Romans 8, 28 brings new meaning to that. That it doesn't matter what comes your way. If you are in Christ and you love God and you're called according to his purpose, the best is always yet to come. All things. All things. What am I saying? God never wastes a hurt. Oh, my Lord. Some of you came for that today. God never wastes a hurt in your life. He wants to redeem it. He wants to bless it. He wants to use it. A few years back, I was sitting in a little cafe in um, Blowing Rock, North Carolina. Any Blowing Rock fans? Love Blowing Rock. Quaint, little beautiful. One of my favorite places on the planet, in fact. And I'm sitting there with, with three of my buddies, Keith Loy, who pastors Celebrate Church out in South Dakota, Craig Dunn, who is the CEO of WIF, Westing Investment Foundation up in Indianapolis, and Kevin Myers, who is the senior pastor of um, 12 Stone in Atlanta. We're sitting there. We're about to go out riding for the day. We're, we got our bikes there in the parking lot. Harleys, not bicycles. <laughs> and 
And we're, <laughs> we're sitting there and we're, we're having breakfast and, and we were riding the Blue Ridge Parkway. We'd been there about four days. We had a few days left and we're just riding different places. We'd ride down into little Switzerland if you've ever been there, have, have lunch there. We, we just hit these little places all along the Blue Ridge Parkway. And this morning we're sitting there and we're having coffee and we're finishing up breakfast and we kind of felt a little frisky. And we decided, you know what? It's time to do it. We'd been talking about it for years. And we said, you know what? It's time to to head toward the Tennessee-North Carolina state line and ride, ride the bucket list ride for most motorcyclists. I'm talking about the dragon tail. Let me tell you a little bit about the dragon tail because by the time we finished, we were throwing the chaps on and the gloves and the helmets and we put her in the wind for Tennessee. This is an unbelievable road that begins in and around Dills Gap on the Tennessee-North Carolina state line. It's also called the tail of the dragon, but I don't like that name. Most of us call it the dragon tail. It is considered by many as one of the world's foremost motorcycling and sports car touring roads. Anyone looking for an exciting adventure, it is a highway of 14 miles with 318 S-curves. 14 miles. Most of the banks look like a NASCAR track. They're, they're, They're like that. It's not a road for the squeamish, if you know what I mean. But if you're looking for a bit of excitement and you like cars or motorcycles, then you do not want to miss this road. It's some kind of piece of asphalt. Beware, it's not a road to sightsee on. You better not take your eyes off the road. The attraction, my friends, is the road itself. Listen to me. There's no need to look at the wooded roadside or the curves because they're coming at you in rapid fire. It's right at the intersection of US 29 and North Carolina 28. S-curve after S-curve. Again, 318 in 14 miles. Maybe I ought to stop telling you about it and show you what I'm talking about. Check it out. Nestled deep in the Great Smoky Mountains is a legendary road known as the Tail of the Dragon. This road is considered the testing ground for motorcyclists from around the world. This is the full motorcycle experience, period. This lets you know whether you can ride. This lets you know your motorcycle. I don't think there's anywhere around the world that is equivalent to these roads right here. Crossing the Tennessee-North Carolina line, the road winds 11 miles through the mountains in a series of stomach-wrenching twists and turns. 318 curves in 11 miles, bordered by park and preserve and everything, so it's one of the few roads that doesn't have any driveways or side traffic. A quarter million bikers flock here each year for the ride of their lives. But many of them don't know that this dragon's tail can kill you. It is a dangerous road. Curves are tight, really challenges your skill levels. You only make it as dangerous as you want it to be. The number one thing we tell folks is ride your own ride. Don't let people push you from behind or don't try to chase people down. It's 45 minutes till an ambulance can get here on site if you do have an accident. 
Wear your gear, kids. Wear your gear. See that? Gravel's not forgiven. A wild scene like this wouldn't be complete without... That's right, paparazzi. And they're always there when disaster strikes. Crash photos are, you know, a touchy thing, especially right when it happens. People aren't real proud of that moment. But we don't sell them. We don't sell crash photos. Always give them away. It's bad karma to make money off of misfortune. The photographers are the Dragon's homegrown safety patrol. When a big trailer truck suddenly appears, they spring into action and flag it down. Trucks that stray onto the Dragon are its biggest danger. They wreck on the tight turns, closing the road. And hundreds of motorcycles and cars have collided with big rigs, killing and injuring dozens. I'm sure there's some people that come up here and get on that road that are just terrified. And there's other people that just absolutely love it. The place has become world famous. If you're a hardcore motorcycle person, this is one of the must-stop places. As gut-wrenchers go, the dragon can't be beat. We, um, <laughs> we got finished riding it. And we were like kids, and a few of us, I'm not going to say any names, uh, uh, Craig Dunn, Kate Floyd, a few of us wanted to just leave it at one ride down, and the other two convinced the group, no, 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 we got to ride it again, we got to ride it again. So we went back up, rode it again, went back up and rode it again three times. Now, let me be clear. I ride a Harley. I don't ride one of those crotch rocket bikes. I, we, we, we ride down, we were riding literally at like 30 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour. We, I'm not stupid. We took it very slow. And these crotch rockets, and if you drive a crotch ro rocket, nothing against you, but you need to own a real bike. Anyway, um, <laughs> these crotch rockets were coming. Zoom, zoom, zoom. The, the, the most dangerous thing were, were the, the crotch rockets that were flying by us. I have concluded and I think I've lived long enough to, to conclude this that life is a series of turns and twists and many of them if we're not careful we'll end up just like the person in the Good Samaritan story we'll end up in the ditch that, that can happen to the best of us but I've also walked with God long enough to know, and I think this is exactly what Romans 8, 28 teaches us. We serve a God who will meet us at all of those twists and turns. And when we land in the ditch, which by the way, I believe that is the meaning of the Good Samaritan. It's not that we're to go around and be Good Samaritans, which we are. But the deeper meaning of the Good Samaritan is that it was God who came along and lifted you and he lifted me out of the ditch of life. He's just that good. And Romans 8:28 is reminding us today that God is awfully good at getting us out of disastrous situations again. Maybe it's on this side of eternity or maybe it's the ultimate blessing and healing where we step from this world into the next. For in all things, God works together for good of those who love Christ, 
and who are called according to his purpose. And this, this little stretch of Romans 8, if you will, is a lot like the dragon tail. In my opinion, Romans 8 is the crookedest road in the Bible, if you will, full of twists and full of turns. And I believe God has put it here to show us that as we try to navigate and maneuver through this thing we call life, God always protects. Can I get an amen? God always protects. He always brings good in the lives of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Hear me out. And I'm gonna pray and we're done. There is no road that you will never take. There is no road in your life that you will ever go down that the omniscient one is not fully aware that you are going to go down and who will meet you there and bring about good in your life. There is no S-curve that catches the omnipresent one by surprise. He is just that good. And when things go from bad to worse, and I'm just here to tell you, they will. And then they'll go back to good, and then it'll twist, and then it'll turn. And beloved, that is just life. And if you're sitting here, and you're so young, and you're so naive, and you're thinking, I'm never going to have hard times in my life. Well, you especially should go to the Resource Center after today and get this message, because I can categorically promise you, life will throw you a twist and an unexpected turn. But if you're in God, if you love God, if you are called according to his purpose, he will be there with you every step of the way. The God of the great eight promises, promises unexpected and unintended benefits and consequences, even in the worst of circumstances. God works all things together for good for those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. It might take days. It might take decades. Remember Joseph, 17 years. It might take dozens of years, but you can take it to the bank at every curve along the way of life, our God is faithful. Our God brings about good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And that is why we sometimes say, God is good all the time. Father, we love you today. We thank you that you first loved us. God, we thank you for this encouraging message. God, we don't understand the brokenness of this world at times. God, sometimes we don't even understand the brokenness in our own lives and how we ended up in this crash or this ditch or how we were so caught off guard by this twist or this turn. 
But God, we're so grateful that you have promised us Romans 8, 28. We are so grateful that you are a God who is just that good. You are a good, good father. And we give you our lives today. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you. Even if we're in the midst of the storm, God, and and we sing with tears rolling down our faces, we do so with a twinkle in our eye and a smile on our face because we know that if we are in you, you've got our backs, you've got the future. And with you, it will always be good in the end. So Father, I pray your word has been faithfully preached and proclaimed today. Hear your people now at all of our campuses, Father God, as we stand to sing about your goodness. Father, I pray for this week that is coming up. Would you send out this movement? Would you give us a vision today, even as we go to our cars and even as we drive home or we're sitting at home and we're watching this, would you give us a vision of what could happen if thousands of people left this experience today and went forth living on purpose for you and doing everything we possibly can to bring our neighbors and our friends and our colleagues and our family members to a New Hope campus on Easter Sunday where I will do everything I possibly can, Lord, you know this, to preach your word faithfully and to introduce your people to a life-saving relationship with Jesus. Why? Not for us, God, not for our name, but for your name, for your fame, so that they can live their lives knowing what we have experienced. With you in the end, it will always be good. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.